0: Official Kyler Murray and Arizona Cardinal, Josh Rosen, a Miami Dolphin. We'll come back to that. Welcome to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, -sports Heartland-Sports.com on the interwebs, also on the tweeters at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofel. Welcome to another episode. Kyler Murray, number one overall. Rich, give me your thoughts because I've got lots
1: of them. Initially, I'm not surprised. By any stretch of the imagination. Now, I know that you said we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it did put a little bit of a complication on the Arizona Cardinals because now they had back-to-back first-round draft picks who were both quarterbacks. Picks. We knew something was going to happen there. I had my hunches. You had your hunches. Yours may have been a little bit more accurate than someone else's, but... Needless to say, not surprised that Kyler Murray goes number number one overall.
0: All right, so here here it is, man. I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay it down and, and just let you know I'm probably gonna talk for a few minutes here, okay? Just to give you give you a forewarning on that. Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, and the Miami Dolphins stole the draft. They totally owned this 2019 NFL draft. Here's the reason why. Everyone said, not everyone. A lot of people said Kyler Murray was making a huge mistake, a huge mistake to turn away guaranteed baseball money to chase his NFL dream. His signing bonus alone with the Cardinals is going to be in the neighborhood of 21 to 23 million dollars. That's just signing bonus. That doesn't count regular contract money. So his 4.65 guaranteed from the Oakland Athletics just got dwarfed. By a signing bonus, and his deal is going to be in the neighborhood of thirty million dollars. Now, this is a guy that the the NFL holdovers from the good old days said was too small to play quarterback in the NFL. Was really kind of a product of a system, not really the product of his own talent. That was not a trendsetter that that you and I called him out to be. So, Kyler Murray going number one in the NFL draft is not only uh, epic. From the point that this is a guy who is going to change the NFL. Now, guys, there, there's not a lot of guys that have the talent of a Kyler Murray. There are, they, they are those, we call them the generational guys. They're, they're going to come through once in a generation. and But they're going to be those guys that you want to watch. You want to you want to pay money to see him play in college, and and we we've had those guys. We at the University of Oklahoma, we've been fortunate to, to have those guys. We we've had Adrian Peterson, and and we have a guy. I mean, you, you can go, you could go on and on. Joe Mixon, I believe, was a generational player. So we've had those type of guys. We've had a good run with them at the University of Oklahoma, and Kyle Murray is absolutely one of those guys. And the success that he's going to bring to the NFL is going to change the NFL. Not only is he going to change the NFL, but he's going to change, he and Cliff Kingsbury are going to change offense in the NFL forever. What what Mike Leach did in 1999 to college football, bringing in, in the spread offense to the University of Oklahoma, look how the spread offense has just been duplicated across the landscape of college football. Cliff Kingsbury is going to do that same thing in the NFL. Now, he may not be a successful head coach in the National Football League, but his offense is going to turn some heads and you're going to start seeing guys like Kyler Murray begin to come across the landscape of the NFL. And we already have him. I mean, Deshaun Watson's not that much bigger than Kyler Murray. And look at the success that Deshaun Watson's having. Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Wilson's been in the NFL for, for a long time. He already has, he's been to the Super Bowl, but but Kyler Murray is going to bring that stuff to the forefront. You're Googling Deshaun Watson now, aren't you? I am. And then, I am. So that's how Kyler Murray sold the draft. Here's what Josh Rosen did Josh Rosen handled this entire situation with nothing but class. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know why Steve Smith went on such a, a negative Josh Rosen rant. Because Josh Rosen unfollowed the Cardinals on social media, what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to keep all the Arizona Cardinals stuff up on his Twitter and Instagram feeds and, and then bring the Miami Dolphins there with them and kind of have a, a blended homepage of Miami Dolphin and Arizona colors? I mean, what was the guy supposed to do? As as soon as, as soon as Kyler Murray's name was called, Josh Rosen's future was set. The guy wasn't going to be staying in Phoenix. But you know what he did the next day? You know what he did the day after the draft? He went and played in a, a charity softball game in the Phoenix area. He he went on Instagram and put I thought was a very classy, I don't know if you saw his goodbye, his farewell no. speech to Arizona. He wished Kyler good luck. He, he I mean he threw that in there, good luck to Kyler. You're going to love Arizona. You're going to love living here. You're going to love the people. He thanked the fans. And then the the line the line of the day was as he as he concluded that was, "Oh, hey, by the way, Kyler, if you haven't found a place to is to stay yet, I've got a two bedroom yes. apartment. I know where a two bedroom yes. apartment is going to go for sale that I can make you a I good deal. See. I mean, th- just nothing but class for Josh Rosen. Now he gets to go to Miami, and Josh Rosen's going to play. Here, here's the thing: people are saying, "Well, can he compete with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, and and Ryan Fitzpatrick may be a little bit ahead." of Josh Rosen in this moment, but he's going to play. Josh Rosen will be the player. He may not start this season, but the minute the Dolphins are eliminated from playoff contention, which should be, I don't know, the, the first uh, the first weekend in October, when the Dolphins are eliminated from playoff c- competition, Josh Rosen is going to be the guy, which brings me to the reason. Here's how the Dolphins stole the draft. They got a top 10 pick on the cheap. The Arizona Cardinals have already paid. The, the majority, they, they paid the signing bonus for Josh Rosen last year. So the Miami Dolphins get Josh Rosen a top 10 pick for just his rookie contract without a signing bonus. They're, the Dolphins have already said, hey, we're looking at a quarterback next year. Next year's draft, the 2020 draft, will be a top-heavy draft and as far as quarterbacks are concerned. There's some good quarterbacks that are coming out next year. And the Dolphins are saying, we're going to keep our eye on a quarterback unless – Josh Rosen changes some things. So basically, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you get to test drive Josh Rosen for one year. If you're Josh Rosen, you get to show you get the chance to kind of earn your merit as a top 10 pick. And what was potentially the, the Dolphins, the Dolphins aren't great, but they're ahead of where Arizona was last year. So he'll, he'll be in a little bit better of a situation to go in and to prove his merit. So, so Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, Miami Dolphins, in my opinion, stories of the draft, they're all linked together and they all got just (laughs) the best deals they could get. It's, it's a win, win, win
1: situation. In my opinion, I'm laughing as I sit over here because I wrote a, wrote an article, just something quick about Kyler Murray being featured on the cover of sports illustrated, but kind of in the background, kind of in the foreground, I don't really know how you want to label it, is Josh Rosen. And I said specifically how their stories will forever be intertwined. When we think about the future of Josh Rosen, we have to think about Kyler Murray. And when we think about the future of Kyler Murray, we also think about Josh Rosen. Now, I like that Arizona has taken Kyler Murray for a couple of reasons. Number one, Cliff Kingsbury, as -hmm. you've mentioned. I think leading up to the draft, everyone continuously said that this was a pairing made in heaven. And it essentially was, which is why so few were willing to back off of the idea of Kyler Murray, number one, to the Arizona Cardinals at the quarterback position. Needless to say, you look at what he's essentially inheriting, and Josh Rosen is leaving is a guy like David Johnson, very versatile running back, extremely good hands coming out of the backfield and Larry Fitzgerald, If that isn't like a comfort zone for a guy like Kyler Murray, I don't know what is because he grew accustomed to having those types of players at the university of Oklahoma. Now we're going to repeat that here on the professional level outside of that when it comes to Josh Rosen, I think he's in a more favorable situation for him personally. Whereas Matt, you and I had talked, he gets that ability or he gets the time where he can learn behind a guy who has a bit more experience before being a Expected to be the starter it's not to say josh rosen doesn't have the talent to play in the nfl it's not to say that he doesn't have the arm strength or the capabilities it's not to say he doesn't have the football iq it's just saying that he needed a little bit more time to grow before being thrown to the wolves and you've mentioned the assets that they had in arizona just weren't there for a guy like Rosen. So I think they find themselves, both players, in a more favorable position for where they're at skill set-wise as well as where they're at capability-wise at this very point in time.
0: Well, and, and not only did... did I, I agree with what you're saying about Josh Rosen. and And, and Miami is not... Uh, they they were competing for the playoffs, but they were out. I mean, they, with a month left in the season, you knew the Dolphins weren't going to be in the playoffs. You looked at
1: what they I had. I thought to, we knew that at the beginning
0: of the season. Well, pretty much. I'm know, giving I, you a hard time. I know. I, I am a hard-pressed Dolphins fan. But here's the thing is that I, I don't – I mean, you're right. Rosen was thrown in too soon, and, and it's not the same situation that Baker Mayfield was in. There, there were more pieces of the puzzle for Baker Mayfield than there were for Josh Rosen. Now, I, I wasn't high on Josh Rosen. I didn't think he was a top 10 pick. I really didn't. But he also had limited assets around him last year. I liked what they did with the draft. Not only did they get Kyler Murray, but they gave him some tools. They got Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, which who a I, I, great pick. Uh, the, the seventh round pick, Caleb Wilson. Are you kidding me? Kid went in the seventh round. Caleb Wilson, I believe, is not only going to make this roster, he's going to be a star in Arizona. Um, they got a couple offensive linemen to go with him, and then they addressed some needs on defense. But what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do with Kyler Murray, I don't think he could do with Josh Rosen. I, I don't know. There's there's only a handful of quarterbacks. I think, like I said, Deshaun Watson, you know, you could do it with him. Baker Mayfield, you could do it with him. You, you could probably pull Russell Wilson out for sure and do it with him. There's a, a handful of quarterbacks – that are capable in the league right now of doing what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do with Kyler Murray. He's going to do a lot of RPO because of the offensive line. Their, their offensive line is not going to be great next year. They're, they're going to have to change some things around to, to keep Kyler Murray upright. And so RPO is going to be one of those things that they're going to do. They're, they're going to roll the pocket. They're going to they're going to trust Murray not only to run the ball, but to get down or get out of bounds uh, to save himself. There's not a lot of people that can do what Cliff Kingsbury is about to do. That's what I'm saying. He's about It's about to be a trend-setting offense for the NFL. I like what they got and like what they put around him. He's it's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. Okay, let's change gears uh, with the NFL draft. Oklahoma with eight players selected. Um, we, we could talk about that if we wanted to. Um, I think it's the most players selected from the University of Oklahoma since 2005. Uh, all eight offensive side of the ball. We we talked about that last week. We called that. To you, what's the biggest surprise? The, the, when, just Oklahoma centralized, all right? Oklahoma players taking in the draft. What, what's the biggest thing that makes you go, what? What
1: shocked you? Honestly, I, I knew that this was – I didn't know that this was going to be a draft full of surprises. But as we got into the top ten picks, it certainly set up – As such for Oklahoma specifically, I've got to say the biggest surprise is the fifth round pick of Austin cyber. Yeah. As a kicker. I want to just use the label of more of a utility player, a guy who's not going to be out there every down who's, who's not going to be counted on to score touchdowns essentially, or stop people from scoring touchdowns. It was a little bit of a shocker. Now here's what we know Matt, because we watch Oklahoma weekend and week out is we knew just how valuable a guy like Austin cyber could be. I think when we go back and we uh, review what we said last week, you and I both said the seventh round. I said maybe the sixth round, if he's extremely lucky, there was no way that he was going to go in the fifth, but you look at the versatility, the value that he brings to a team. And I understand someone coming in and saying that's, This is a guy we're willing to take that kind of a risk on because we don't want to be surprised and him not be available when we get to these final two rounds. So jumping in there, snatching him up, they're going to utilize him and and he's going to do well in the NFL for sure. But still a big surprise being there in the fifth round.
0: Yeah, that's actually uh I, I thought you were gonna say Cody Ford not going in the first round. I really thought that's mm-hmm. that's where you were gonna go. So I was ready to throw Austin Seibert out there as my biggest surprise for all the reasons that you just mentioned. And so instead, I'm gonna go with Cody Ford <laughs> not going in the first round. I, I can't believe it. I, I just I was I was beside myself uh, in disbelief. Now you and I had the great debate last week. Uh, in what order they would go? You know, mm-hmm. you you said it would be it would be Kyler and then Cody Ford and then Marquise Brown, and I right. flopped. Now Mark, I
1: owe you some hot dogs.
0: Right, well, that's right. Uh, I swapped Marquise Brown and Cody Ford, but we were both agreed these three guys were going in the first round,
1: right? And, and Un- unquestionably, yeah. We and upon so
0: that. I was now. Now I love where he landed, right? Uh, but. I, I I hate that as Buffalo, you know what I'm saying? Um, that, I mean, he, he, he landed on a spot where he can be an immediate starter and, and Buffalo is that, you know, the perfect place for me that for Cody Ford to have gone would have been Oakland three draft picks in the first round. Cody Ford has that Oakland mentality that just that nastiness that he plays with. He would have fit in very well with John Gruden and the Raiders, but if there was a place that he wasn't going to go that still was a good fit for him, it's Buffalo. And and as a Miami Dolphins fan, I hate the fact that he ended up in Buffalo. Which, let me just kind of take an ADD time out here and re- regress to our, our initial conversation. Do you remember the top four quarterbacks for the 2018 draft? You had Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold
1: and Josh not Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. Josh Allen or Drew Allen? No, Josh Allen. Okay, cuz I feel like that was the linebacker from Kentucky. It was. But which by the way,
0: they went the same pick. Like oh. Josh Allen was number 7 last year and Josh Allen was number 7 <laughs> okay. this year. It's crazy. Okay. But okay, so you had you had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. Now you've got Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold all in the same division, all in the AFC East. How crazy is that? Uh Talking about Cody Ford going to Buffalo is what is what reminded me to to say that to you. Okay, so let's go, I just want to go through the draft and 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 here's what I got right, and'll I'll let you have a chance. Yeah, I'll let you go first.
1: Um, it wasn't much, man. No, it wasn't you got, much. You, no,
0: I, I went back and checked it. Um, the first thing I got right, and we've already talked about it. I, I, I got right uh, was Josh Rosen going to the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I've said that I, I went back and looked, I, I've been saying that since like January that he would, that the Dolphins would end up with Josh Rosen. So I, I got it. I mean, I'm a little bit proud about that pick, but I got that right. I, I got all eight players that were, were drafted. We, we picked them last week. All, all eight of them. I got Kyler Murray going. Number one, Marquise being the second sooner selected Cody Ford being the third, uh, third sooner selected I had Drew Samia going in the fourth round I had Rodney Anderson going in the sixth round and I had Bledsoe and Bolton being undrafted free agents that's that's what I got right right in all the this overarching fist. thing and, here and and here's the thing is that the NFL draft is extremely difficult to prognosticate so you got to kind of give yourself a pat on the back when you talk about hey I, I at least I picked this part right uh, so what do you got
1: Uh, Like I said, man, it is not much. How about we just start with what was wrong? Because that will lead us (laughs) to what was right. You know, I had initially thought Kyler Murray was going to be the number one overall draft pick. Did get that right. Where I got it wrong is I thought he was still going to end up in Oakland, regardless. Because I wasn't sold, Matt, like you were, that Rosen was going to Miami via some kind of a trade to Arizona. Needless to say, I thought it was going to be Arizona draft trade gets those three picks from the Raiders and fills some some of the voids that they have on their roster, which
0: was a very real scenario mm-hmm. that we talked about. I mean, right. that, that was a it didn't happen, but mm-hmm. it was a legitimate possibility.
1: Right. So Kyler Murray, number one, got that missed on him <laughs> ending up as a Raider. Marquise Brown, you know, uh, had him in the first round. As well, had them flipped, Mm -hmm. which is why I owe you some hot dogs here. Had them flipped. I thought Marquise Brown was going to be a late second or first round draft pick, early second round. He ended up being a little bit later than I think you yeah. thought. Yeah, he way later. Definitely than I thought. surprised. Yeah. Again, not the biggest surprise for me, but I thought Cody Ford was gonna be in there at that 15 range. So I missed out on that. My high hopes, my my so, so, so high hopes for Rodney Anderson were dashed when the fourth round came mm-hmm. and went. But I'll tell you, Matt, I, I think where I was surprised the most as we were watching the draft, I thought, okay, here we are on a Thursday night. I'm going to watch the first round. I'm going to see three Oklahoma Sooners taken. When it came to Friday and we had the second and third rounds, I'm thinking to myself, there's no reason to even tune in because not a single Oklahoma Sooner is going to be taken in those two rounds of the draft. Now, lo and behold, we see that that was a complete you could, not like I said, label this as a surprise, a complete surprise for us from last week because you had Bobby Evans mm-hmm. going in the third round and you had Cody Ford going in the second round. Again, I thought just tune those out. We'll join back in in the fourth round when we're starting to see some of these other offensive linemen go for Oklahoma and the one skill position player that was left, Rodney Anderson. So had the eight players right, order completely jumbled up when I had initially thrown it out there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and and again, it's hard to prognosticate the draft, but I, I had, uh, you know, um, I had Cody Ford going in the first round, and I, I'm, again, I, we can talk about that. We could we could make the podcast about why Cody Ford slipping to the second round was just uh, an atro- atrocity, but it is what it is. They're, they're, yeah. they're going to get. Can, us, the, can we can we talk about that? Yeah, go just ahead. Just really quickly, because you you kind of called it a little bit.
1: Yeah, here's one thing that I, I wanted to throw out there is. In the first round of the NFL draft, I can't recall a time, and I, I I'm gonna be honest with you, be upfront with you here, because I don't watch the NFL draft every single year. It's one, it's not something I've ever really had time for. Two, I just haven't cared, mm-hmm. to be honest. With you since Sam Bradford is probably when I started watching or tuning in more frequently to the NFL draft and the the first five picks, I think four of them were from the big 12 that you're needless to say, when I look at the first round, were you surprised at how little or how small the number of skill position players was versus it being front seven players? No, because I that's, and that goes back
0: to what we were talking about last week when 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 I was telling you that Hollywood would go ahead of Cody Ford because it's based on need. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of this was a, a defensive heavy draft. right. And, and I agree so with I, that. I knew there was quarterbacks involved. and I, and and so I knew that you'd see several quarterback names called in the first round. I, I knew you'd see a, a ton of defensive uh, guys called in the first round. And then when you start placing the need there, there were teams that needed offensive linemen, mm-hmm. but they were way down further in the bottom half of the first round where the guys for, like you're saying, skill position guys, receivers and so forth, were a little bit higher up. That's the only reason why I called Marquise Brown going ahead of Cody Ford. And I, and I really thought Marquise Brown would have gone way earlier than what he did. But And you and I were texting back and forth um, on the NFL draft, but it it didn't go exactly – to plan, and there was a lot of times where I was extremely nervous that, and, and when we say hot dogs, we, we gotta make sure people understand uh, you're not just gonna go buy like a, a package of ballpark franks and throw them down <laughs> on the table. Um, you know, Coney <laughs> Island down in, in in Oklahoma City, uh, is is the place to be if you want, if you want some chili cheese conies, and so that's that's what we're talking about. But there there was a a, a time frame there. Where I thought that, man, Cody's gonna go here ahead of Marquise, especially right. when the Raiders had that third pick. I really mm-hmm. thought they were gonna pick up uh, Cody Ford at that point. But needless to say, no, I wasn't surprised because I knew it was a, a I knew it was a quarterback, there was a lot of quarterbacks, and I knew it was a defensive heavy draft. And so that's the reason why I picked Cody Ford to go so low. Right.
1: But now now I'm on board with you on the the defensive side. Of the draft, which is why I think I was still sold on that idea of Kyler Murray essentially falling from not not realistically falling from number one, but being a draft and trade to the Raiders because I didn't think that he would be available if the Raiders really wanted him. And if they were making that last minute move, it was to get him, whereas Arizona would jump in and say, "Okay, then we need you at number four to draft this defensive player for us. You do talk about a lot of the defensive talent. You talk about specifically along the defensive line, those edge rushers, those pass rushers that everyone puts a premium on. I knew we're going to be high up in the draft order. They were plentiful this year. They were good this year on top of that. And so seeing these skill position players, what I was asking you, we just didn't have a lot of uh, was was there one running back taken in the first round? Josh Jacobs Did
0: one yeah, one he, yeah, receiver yeah.
1: Yeah. taken in the first round and then a couple of quarterbacks completely shocked me. Like I said, completely and utterly shocked me. I thought we'd see these guards going a little bit higher, a guy like Cody Ford, Yeah, not That's falling. not skill
0: position play. Right, right.
1: Now, no, 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 no. I, I get that, but I'm just saying the premium on specific edge rushers skill position players and, and offensive guards or tackles more so than guards. But, but looking at those positions specifically and saying, those are always higher up in the draft. And they just weren't this year.
0: You listen to the nation, the online podcast of heartland sports, heartland-sports.com. Here's the thing. Um, the Cardinals were all in on Kyler Murray. It, it, because they, they, I've got 30 seconds to try to say this. They fired their entire coaching staff after one season Went a drastically different direction by getting Cliff Kingsbury, who was a loser as a coach in college, record-wise. So there's no way, in my mind, they weren't taking Kyler Murray. They were all in on this. You can't make this drastic of a move and tell that same guy, okay, we'll do it with the guys we have here on the roster. No, Cliff Kingsbury said, here's who I need to make this successful.
1: Speaking of the first round, mentioning the name Josh Jacobs, I know when Oklahoma and Alabama met in the college football playoff, there was a story that had begun to circulate of how Oklahoma did not recruit this kid. Josh Jacobs, a phenomenal talent out of Tulsa. Tulsa. Out of Tulsa, Tulsa. We won't say it backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. You have to be impressed with the product on the field again with the overall story but there's a lot of promotion centered around josh jacobs and i feel like it's becoming a little more controversial with those who are here in oklahoma because of the comment that oklahoma didn't want him matt how do you feel about that (laughs) you're you're, the one who published the article because you're
0: setting me up because you know i mean if anybody uh, follows us. Like I, I, wrote that article and then Josh Jacobs actually tweeted at us right before the orange ball, um, in regards to that article, and, and here's the thing: it's just, it's just the narrative. It's once a narrative gets well, see, set. Well, hang on. Once a narrative gets set, it's set, whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. it's set. Did Oklahoma come in late on Josh Jacobs? Yes, they absolutely came in late on Josh Alabama. Jacobs. But do you know who else came in late on Josh? Alabama? Alabama came in late. The on, only, yeah. the only
1: program to my knowledge that was in on him in the early going, but didn't exactly offer him a scholarship at that point in time was Missouri. They had been courting him as a running back for quite some time. But the reality of the situation for me, Matt, when it comes to Josh Jacobs, I've said he's a great talent because I believe that he Mm -hmm. is. I believe that he can be effective in the NFL. But the reality of Josh Jacobs is Josh Jacobs is a late bloomer. That's it. Oklahoma wanted this kid, but he had to prove himself before that. Alabama, I don't even believe they had a spot. I don't even believe they had a scholarship for him. When he committed, and then they offered him that I don't, scholarship. And made I don't some room. know
0: that I would say he's a late bloomer. Uh, more, he was kind of a diamond in the rough. I mean, it just took a while to find him. And and, and in his, his well, res-
1: Missouri had no problem. Well, apparently. but but here's the
0: thing. I mean, he was he was putting his film out on on like YouTube and stuff like that, and tagging coaches and sending. And and when you do that, it's a lot slower process uh, recruiting. But but finally, it picked up. But my my rub with Josh Jacobs. And I don't even know if it was him as much as this this narrative that was built for the Orange Bowl that Oklahoma did not want him. Well, that's not true. Oklahoma found him late like everyone else did, like Alabama did. And the kid picked Alabama, and he had a great career. I mean, he left early and was a first-round draft pick. That's usually an indicator that you've had a pretty good career, Mm -hmm. okay? So that's good for him. I mean, you always like it when an Oklahoma kid does well. And so good for you for doing well. But don't run with the story, I was burned by Oklahoma. No, you weren't. You were just found late by Oklahoma, the same way Alabama. You had a choice, and your choices were Alabama and Oklahoma. He made the right choice. I mean, he made the right choice.
1: Now, Josh Jacobs, the physical style runner he is, definitely fits the SEC and their style of football. Couldn't agree more.
0: But the point is, you made the right choice. You had a good career. Don't pretend like you've got this chip on your shoulder that Oklahoma didn't want you. Because that's, I mean, again, it's just, it's a late, sometimes kids fall in late. Oklahoma has had a run. Uh, Ryan Broyles, we want to go back to some of the greats at Oklahoma. You know what? Ryan Broyles was a late offer by the University of Oklahoma. A lot of people don't remember. Ryan Broyles was committed to Oklahoma State. Then Oklahoma comes in late and gets him. And he was an all-time career-leading NCAA receiver at the University of Oklahoma. So it's not like this is the only th- time this has ever happened to any player ever and 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 the the only thing I just wish they would add to this story and and by the way it played out i I watched it on the NFL network I don't know what which channel you watch the draft on but but it also played out that he was severely under recruited coming out of high school, which is true but again, just say look, Oklahoma offered him just a day after Alabama did. Just just say it, Just say the story the way it is. Don't spin it. don't don't make this imaginary. and that's, that was the the article is that Josh Jacobs has an imaginary chip on his shoulder. The kid is talented. And you know, my my son still blames me for the orange bowl <laughs> loss because apparently I'm the one who fired up Josh Jacobs and motivated him enough um, to run all over Oklahoma uh, in Miami. Okay, uh, here here's a couple of things. Uh, I got wrong on the draft. Uh, we talked about Cody Ford. I had him going in the first round. Uh, I had Bobby Evans going in the fourth round. I, I way overshot. I mean, I, I went too long on this. I had Bobby Evans going in the fourth round. He went in the third. I had Ben Powers going in, in the sixth round. He went in the fourth round. Uh, we already talked about Austin Seibert. We both had him going in the seventh round. He ended up going in the fifth round. So we did get some things wrong. Um, and again, I, I would rather be on the side of picking them to go like in the, in the um, in the fourth round, and then the kid goes in the sixth round. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm sorry. I'd rather be on the side pick him and go in the sixth round, and then he goes in the fourth round. I'd rather oversell these guys and undersell them. And congratulations to Oklahoma for the draft that they had. Now, it's, it's, all, it's natural. You do this after National Signing Day to start looking at next year's class. It's no different for the NFL to start looking at next year's class. And Oklahoma – is going to have a top-heavy draft next year. Um, and it really depends on what guys guys decide to do. I think I'm, I'm going to give you a list of names. I mean, in Jalen Hurts, he's gone. I mean, he's a senior, mm-hmm. right? Kenneth Murray's gone. He's a senior. He has no choice. But uh, I think, I think CeeDee Lamb, I mean, he has a decision to make. I think CeeDee Lamb is probably the first Oklahoma player off the board if the draft were right now. He's gone. Grant Calcaterra, I think he's a he's a late, second, early, third-round draft pick. I, I don't see why. Uh, and that's based off of what he's done. I mean, he still has another year this, this season to play to move up. Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey could have been drafted. It could have been five for five for Oklahoma offensive linemen this year. <laughs> It's just he's not eligible next year as a redshirt sophomore he'll be eligible he'll he'll be one of those rare guys who has the opportunity to leave and be an early draft pick with 2 years remaining uh, of eligibility in the NCAA and, and obviously Trey Sermon that that's who I've got right now my early way too early look at all you players to get drafted next year um and, I, and I've got some thoughts on that, but I, I wanted to see uh, if if you had anybody that I was missing out on or, or what your thoughts were, players coming out. out.
1: I, I don't have anyone that you're missing out on at this point in time. When I'm looking at the talent that's on this roster currently, I, I may bump a couple of those names upwards okay. in terms of where they're going to be selected because I believe that Calcaterra could easily, depending on this season – depending on the productivity that he has. And given the fact that everything I'm reading about Austin Stogner is there's no way they can keep him off the field. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to get creative in how they're going to use both of these guys at the same time because I still believe that about Calcaterra as well. Calcaterra, again, depending on the productivity of this season, I think he can move himself up into the first round and be a guy – just as competitive as Mark Andrews was. Needless to say, CeeDee Lamb, though, I've got to agree with you, will be the first one taken off of the board. No questions asked. And, and the real reason why is C.D. is a bigger body than a guy like Marquise Brown is. He still has that same outside ability. Maybe not the speed that Marquise Brown has, but CeeDee Lamb is much better over the middle, in my opinion, is much better over the middle than a guy like Mar- Marquise Brown was at the collegiate level. Because of these traits, these abilities, he has – Matt, I absolutely agree with you. He would be in 2020 the first Oklahoma Sooner Taken, and and he's looking like a first-round pick right now.
0: Well, and that's if the draft was right now. Mm -hmm. I mean if the draft was in this moment, I I think he would be the first player taken off the board. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case a year from now. Um, And and I agree what you're saying with – I agree 100% with what you're saying about Grant I, I And that's what I said is it's based on what he's done right now. He still has the season to play, but I think right now he's a, a, a late second round pick early third round, but I absolutely could see himself moving into the first round. It's interesting to me. He, here's the player that we need to start talking about. You know who it is?
1: No, not at all.
0: I'm going to say the player we need to start talking about Jalen hurts. Yeah, let, let he, me tell you the reason why Jalen Hurts came to Oklahoma. CBS released— No, no, no,
1: I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. You don't need to tell me. Well, let
0: me tell our listeners then why <laughs> Jalen Hurts came to Oklahoma. CBS Sports listed their top 100 uh, players going into the 2020 draft.
1: You know who number one is? Their number one player?
0: The number one player that CBS has for NFL draft prospect.
1: I don't it's not a quarterback. It, it is better a quarterback. not be. No,
0: it is. They've got Tua. Yeah, they got Tua, number no, one. I don't know. Oh, agree. I, I agree. I, I, don't I mean I I agree. But here's the thing. Do you know who's not on this top one hundred list? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, that is the reason why he's at the University of Oklahoma.
1: No, I can't with you I, I wrote this
0: when he was talking about different options, and he looked at Maryland, and he looked at Florida State. There was only one program that, that gave Jalen Hurts the opportunity to not only compete for a national championship, something that he's very used to, but also groom him for being a first-round draft pick. And that's the University of Oklahoma. And, mm-hmm. and don't – I mean, for all those doubters that say, oh, he can't do it. In one year, he can't become a first-round draft pick. Really? We we, we really want to no. – we, we want to <laughs> hold to that, that argument after what we just witnessed on last Thursday night. Jalen Hurts, I believe, has the ability to be the first Oklahoma player off the board. Next year ahead of C.D. Lamb, not that he would go number one overall, which would be phenomenal if he did for the University of Oklahoma. It just may. I mean, no school has ever had back to back number one draft picks at the quarterback position. It's happened now, you know. Um, but to go back to back to back, I mean, come on. It's it's gonna be a fun conversation that's gonna begin September 1st now, since that opener's been moved from Saturday to Sunday. It's gonna begin September 1st. That that conversation, and the same thing with the Heisman, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna have that all season long. But Jalen Hurts, if he is just decent
1: in Lincoln <laughs> Riley's
0: Offense, he's going to put up some crazy numbers, but I I don't believe he's going to be just decent. I mean, and and let's 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 back up just a little bit and understand that I'm the guy that um I, I'm the guy that really thought he was a bad fit for Lincoln Riley's offense. Do you remember that conversation? I do. I do. But that said, he's here, and what you're seeing leadership-wise out of him, the, the crazy numbers he put up in Oklahoma spring game, granted they'll actually get to play against real defenses uh, once the season starts. This kid is going to be fun to watch. Whoa, the, whoa, you know,
1: whoa. Is is that a knock against the defense?
0: Absolutely is a knock against the defense. Or
1: just saying it's a vanilla spring game? No,
0: it's – look. Okay,
1: that's all I want to know. Just clarify for us.
0: Wait, wait, time out. Let's talk about this. You want to open that can of worms. We can take a couple minutes and go over there. What is the difference between a vanilla spring game offense and Oklahoma's standard defense – I mean, sorry, a vanilla spring game defense and Oklahoma's standard defense that we've seen on the field? Just a few players. No, there is no difference. There is no <laughs> difference at all. I was in a conversation uh, with some people on Easter Sunday, and they were they were talking about the quarterbacks and Tanner Mordecai and so forth, and and uh, boy, they really look good in the spring game. Well, who doesn't look good against Oklahoma's defense? Okay, I mean,
1: okay, simmer down. I'm
0: just saying, simmer down. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. All right, so when you look at this list of guys that are coming out early, uh, that have the potential to come out early. Uh, do you which one of them? Which one of them would you see staying for at least one more year?
1: Any of them? Man, that's a that's a really good question. Well, that's why I asked it. To be honest with you, of any of the players, I, I think it would be Creed Humphrey. And I don't know that that's going to happen. Oklahoma, I, I don't know how they've done it at this point in time. When we believe Oklahoma is going to remove themselves from the national playoff picture, Something happens, and miraculously, they're right back in the thick of things. That happened with Baker Mayfield. That happened with Kyler Murray. And now we're getting it again with Jalen Hurts. Creed Humphrey would be the only one at this point. Let me take that back. I'm going to take that back. Uh-oh. Can I do that? Yeah, sure. Um, maybe Grant Calcaterra. No. You don't think so? No, I think not. Not at good. all. Well, Creed Humphrey is still my my odds-on favorite. was going to be a little bit... Different there. Here's what I was going to throw out with you, Matt, specifically when it comes to Jalen Hurts. I think he's a very, very intriguing prospect because I don't think we've actually seen what he's capable right. of when it comes point. to the 2020 NFL draft and the conversation that centers around him. Now, Jalen Hurts took a lot of flack because playing in Alabama system, it was a run-heavy system mm-hmm. until Tua showed up and we began to see the offensive scheme morph right. into what it's becoming and what will dominate the rest of the country. Jalen Hurts comes to Oklahoma. If you want to play in the NFL and you're an offensive lineman or you play the quarterback position, I can tell you where you need to be. It's in Norman at the University of Oklahoma with Bill Biedenbow as the offensive line coach and with Lincoln Riley as the Well, that's as why quarterback is coming
0: to Oklahoma as well.
1: But here's the other thing that we're we haven't even mentioned yet. When it comes to Lincoln Riley, think about how many NFL personalities, coaches, think about how many of them show up to learn Lincoln Riley's mm-hmm. system. Coincidence that a quarterback's taken back-to-back years from the University of Oklahoma with the number 1 overall pick? I think not. And I'm 100% on board with you when it comes to Jalen Hurts. He knows that. That is why he's here in Norman for one final season. And if he <laughs> doesn't see himself just in that top 100, I would be utterly beside myself.
0: Yeah, no, he, he'll he be, I, I predict not only will he be top 100 by the time uh, the draft rolls around because, again, you, you made a great point. We haven't seen the full capability of Jalen Hurts. But think about the SEC championship game where he comes in, literally saves the day where two is falling on his face. Jalen Hurts comes in leads that comeback to put them in the national uh, in the playoffs. So you 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 get that aspect of him, but you haven't seen that for a full season since his sophomore year. Uh, and then you the last thing you remember of him in the sophomore year is being replaced by Tua in the championship game. So there, there' kudos, kudos to CBS for not putting the guy in there just based on reputation and the fact that he was an Alabama football player. You know, but I think by the time the season winds down, this is a guy that's going to be in the conversation for national player of the year. He's going to be in the conversation for all of the quarterback, you know, the, the Dave O'Brien award, all those awards. He's going to be in the conversation for the Heisman trophy award. And then as that, that fades into the spring into NFL combine and pro days, you're going to see his name move up drastically, not just in the top 100, but I believe in the top 10 of that mm-hmm. draft board, which is why I think he will challenge CD lamb. C.D. lamb's a physical freak. What he's done to his body since when he arrived on campus, he's always had the talent. He's always he runs crisp routes, he's got great hands, he's athletic as can be, but he has transitioned his body to be a physical Greek god sculpture type person. He's gonna he's gonna he is going to grade out mucho grande uh at the NFL combine and in the Oklahoma's Pro Day. But Jalen Hurts is going to move up behind him as well and possibly, based on team need, pass him as the first player off the yeah, board.
1: The only thing I'm going to say is this is going to be a telltale season for who Jalen Hurts is. This is going to no, be the, this is the career-defining—how yeah. many months is it? September, October, November, December, and potentially January? A career-defining five months for Jalen Hurts. This is it. One shot.
0: I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I, I couldn't have said it better. I, w- I want to tell you real quick thoughts on Creed Humphrey. Um, Creed Humphrey, like I said, could have come out this year and been a first-round draft pick, second-round draft pick, in my opinion. He he would have gone probably second round because I think he would have gone behind Cody Ford. But and and a lot of areas Creed Humphrey graded out as the top offensive lineman for the University of Oklahoma last year. And when you look at the 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 amount of wear and tear on a person's body, particularly on the offensive line or defensive line. If you can come out and make money, then you come out and make money. You know, you're going to get that high draft grade. There's no way, in my opinion, that Creed Humphrey comes back unless he wants to be a part of the rebuild again with uh, with, with Spencer Rattler. Um, same thing with Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon has a lot of miles on him. You know, as, as, a, as a running back, uh, he's, got a, he's got a lot of miles on him. Um, and, and Grant Calcaterra, you know, he he's going to be put. This This receiving core is so deep he he's got a big name out there because of the big 12 championship. There's a lot of eyeballs on him because of the way he finished that season. I believe he's going to be a good target for Jalen hurts. We talked about Stogner coming, Austin Stogner coming behind him. He's going to be pushing grant Calcaterra. It's you come out now while your stock is high because all these receivers that are these freshmen the next year are going to be sophomores and they're going to be even better and have the potential to take away uh, catches that you're going to get this year. You come out while you while your stock is high.
1: Yep. Could, I don't really have anything to add there, Matt, but I I couldn't agree more. When we look at this, this current roster, there is certainly a lot of potential, but more specifically because we're talking about the NFL, there's a lot of NFL Potential on this roster. It's just a matter of how are things going to shake out and then moving forward. I mean, Oklahoma set. I, I, I don't, I don't believe that we see a ton of drop off, especially with this carousel at the quarterback position that we've seen some of the injuries that have been suffered along, not only at, at the running back position, but other positions as well, There has been, like I said, a bit of a rotating carousel where each year it seems as if we've got this new name. It's not new and uncharted territory moving forward for Oklahoma. This is more of a plug-and-play situation in the University of Oklahoma.
0: All right, so we Oklahoma just had eight players drafted. We just talked about six players that I believe are going to get drafted uh, next year. And then you add R.J. Proctor, who I believe also will be a, a, a top three draft uh, in, in the NFL, top three rounds. Uh, as of right now, that puts you at seven. I mean, Oklahoma can easily duplicate this next year, going with eight or nine players based on how, how the season uh, plays through. Hey, he's Rich. I'm Matt. We'd love to hear your feedback. I mean, if you, if you agree or disagree, hit us up. Uh, you can always tweet us at Sports Heartland. Uh, you can leave comments at uh, heartland-sports.com. Uh, leave comments in the comments section. Uh, you can pick us up. Uh, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify. Man, we're out there. We'd love to hear your feedback. Give us a, a rating as well. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Well, we're going to close out the final, uh, 14 minutes of the podcast. Um, I, I, I guess we're going to lose some listeners maybe on this before we say this, but we got to talk about baseball softball and at least, at least hang with us long enough to hear the softball, um, uh, argument because I'm going to come at you, rich DeCray. I'm coming at you, uh, on the softball argument, but baseball gets what it gets done. What it needs to get done. Sooners are able to take two of three games at Kansas state. Uh, over the weekend, back-to-back weekends, they have one weekend series. Pete Hughes, a lot of people don't realize Pete Hughes, former Oklahoma baseball coach, is now the head coach at Kansas State. Nathan Hughes, who played for Oklahoma, is shortstop for Kansas State. So there's a little bit of, of, a, of a personal uh, interest in, in that series. But the reality is when you're Oklahoma and you don't want to be treading water anymore, you know, they're, they're one game above 500 in conference play, and they've got a tough slate coming up starting with Texas Tech this weekend. You can't you can't be unsatisfied with the series win, but man, you sure would have liked to have had that three game sweep as opposed and be three games above five hundred as opposed to having. Because here's where that Saturday game gets you. You know you you were fifteen and fifteen in conference play going into the weekend. If you if you sweep them, you're eighteen and fifteen, right? but you don't get the sweep you drop the Saturday game and so you leave you leave Manhattan Kansas 17 and 16 only one game above 500 with Texas Tech and Bedlam coming up it it makes it complicated for Oklahoma because that you want to look at you want to look at staying as close to or above 500 as you can in conference play when you start talking about your NCAA tournament not just getting into the tournament but your seeding for the tournament mm. but at the end of the day they they took a weekends they took a series. They took a series in conference play. It's their first series that they've taken in conference play since sweeping the Kansas Jayhawks to open it up. Thoughts on Oklahoma baseball? Yeah,
1: I, I still have Oklahoma baseball as an NCAA tournament team. Matt, the last time we talked about baseball, I threw out the idea or the more so the comparison of this program to the basketball program and really looked at their scheduling and what they're doing in order to make a case – With the non-conference portion and doing well there, jumping into conference play, taking a step backwards or so it would appear. I don't know if we can attribute that simply to the level of competition or there are other things that are at work here. But that's the comparison I made. It's one that I'm sticking to at this point in team. I think there's a lot of talent on this roster and as we continuously see skip johnson get his players into there we know that he's a pitching coach and we know that oklahoma in the past has struggled with that area we've seen that uptick now it's time to bring in those hitters guys who can deliver consistently time and time again to produce the wins that are expected at a place that's the caliber of oklahoma needless to say I've still got them as an NCAA tournament team. I don't think they're playing themselves out of that at this point in time, but they are playing for seeding. Well,
0: I, I I don't have them out of the tournament right now, but I definitely don't have them solidified being in the tournament. I mean, oh, I think I they do. would be on the bubble when you, when you look at they're twenty five and sixteen overall, which is good. Conference play, they're eight and seven which puts them behind Baylor, who's number one, Texas Tech, who's number two. Then you got West Virginia, Oklahoma State tied at 10-8. and They're they're still, I mean, when when you look at what they've got coming up, there's still room for this team to drop. That's why that series at Kansas State was so vital. At least you get Texas Tech at home, you know what I'm saying? And you you don't have to go to Lubbock. And this team can better if they're in, they can either make their seating better or they can make it much worse over the last month of the season. When you look at the big dogs, so to speak in the conference they are still coming mm. up. We talked about Texas Tech, the Bedlam series is coming up. and then the, I, what I believe, it's in Austin, but a very winnable Texas series to close the season out. I, I, don't, I think the only teams that you can say right now in the Big 12 that are not in the tournament are Kansas and Kansas State. Be, just be I mean, Kansas State's below 500. They're 21 and 24. Kansas is one game above 500, and then you got TCU and Texas that are teetering, I believe, and then Oklahoma <laughs> is right above them. Mm-hmm. So it's, but but you look at TCU, they they lost that series after taking the opening game. Oklahoma still needs to get a series. They, they, they need to not get swept and they need to claim one of these final three series. And if they can do that, I I, I think they are a shoe-in to get into the NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah. I, I do agree with that statement. I now, now who is who is absolutely a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament to host a regional <laughs> and a super regional is the softball team. And here's what I said I'm gonna come at you because you and I've been going back and forth all season long on these pitchers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, there's no way, no way you can't say Giselle Juarez is the top pitcher on the staff now. She's pitched the second uh, the second perfect game this season. The only other player to have the only other player to have more than one perfect game in a season is Paige Parker. So she's in pretty elite company. So you can't just you there's no way. There's no way you can come at me now and say, Giselle Juarez is not the top pitcher you know, on the and, staff.
1: And I never said that, did I? Yes. You oh, okay, all about okay, okay, Mariah okay. Let, let's recount this story. I do remember this conversation. Early on in the season, Mariah Lopez stepped in and was the star. I didn't think that was questionable. No, it wasn't. But then we
0: started talking about the right, slip, and that, so, that Mariah so Lopez had... was no longer that that, mm-hmm. that number one. But that she was a number two or a number three. And we even, remember, we even went through with looking at Shannon Sale and, and the strikeouts per inning. And, and you were sticking to your guns that this was Mariah Lopez and then the other two pitchers.
1: Uh, initially, yeah. And, no, I'm not talking about initially, the No, no, I'm no. no. Listen, like listen hold on. Let ago. me speak here, okay? <laughs> I said initially, yeah, I was on board with that. All of that came flooding back to me because <laughs> I was there live in person. And I'm sitting here I'm watching Giselle, Giselle Juarez mm-hmm. toss this game and I'm watching her give up hit after hit after hit. And I'm not thinking to myself, "Oh, this this isn't the All-American from last season, that transfer from Arizona State. She's broken." That's not what that wasn't my thought process at all, but I was saying she she took a step back or maybe it was because it was towards the beginning of conference play, and I'm over here saying, okay, maybe maybe Mariah Lopez is right there with her. Yes, all of those thoughts, Matt, did come flooding back, but I do have to – I'm going to give you the hat tip here the two perfect games, the three consecutive pitcher of the weeks, the five pitcher of the week total that she has on the season says otherwise and there's no way to refute those weekly awards. It's not just my opinion anymore. There are other people who are weighing in on this that have a little more clout, a little more knowledge than I do about the game of softball and when they speak, I listen. You're just not one of those. Is that okay? Sorry. <laughs>
0: That's okay. <laughs> you know, here's the thing though, um and I and I've said this, I said in one of our previous podcasts that there's just something you know, I had seen Giselle pitch at the World Series. And this is, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not saying new stuff here, but when you're when you're on media row at the World Series, and then when you're on media row at, at Oklahoma, two different experiences. You're a lot closer to the action when you're in the stadium there in Norman. And I just I just remember sitting there watching her pitch for the first time in the Oklahoma uniform and just the zip and, and the pop uh, that she had and just being amazed at like, oh, my gosh, this girl is just bringing some heat. So Oklahoma, a very good position pitching-wise going in to postseason. Um, let me tell you something else that um, Patty Gasso's best coaching move of this season, you know what it was? I don't. Here, here it is. Her best coaching move this season was leaving Jocelyn Alo behind when they went to play the series at Kansas. She knew uh, Jocelyn had to put too much pressure on herself. She knew that Jocelyn wasn't performing. According to the standards she set as a freshman, Grace Green get a lot of the attention, rightfully so, with this team. She left Jocelyn all over behind while they went to Kansas so that Jocelyn can get her head right for... This uh, for the remainder of the season, and Jocelyn has been nothing she exploded. but a terror for opposing pitchers mm-hmm. since coming back. Big series coming up this weekend: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It's the Bedlam series, close out the regular season. It'll be in Stillwater Friday night, in Norman Friday night, conclude cl- in Stillwater on Sunday. This is this is uh, the the team that I said. If someone's going to get OU and, and end this conference winning streak, it's going to be Oklahoma State. I I don't know that I'm backing away from that. I mean, OU clearly is favored to win this series, a heavy favorite to win the series. I'm not convinced it's going to be a sweep, but I'm but I'm you know I'm not going to be surprised if it is.
1: It's <laughs> funny to hear you say that because uh, we're going to hold you accountable on softball now too. I honestly, looking at this team. Last year, if we were to make comparisons, we've said this before, I'll continue to toot this little horn because there were holes in in the nine-person lineup from last season. And there were teams who were able to take advantage of that. Now, we may not have seen that here in the Big 12. We may not have seen that in a majority of the non-conference portion schedule. But... Where we saw that most definitely was at the Women's College World Series. Ooh. Now, Matt, you're the one who, who started this. I'm just joining the train. You look at this lineup, the additions of both Grace's, Grace Lyons, Grace Green, they've shored up. A lot of those shortcomings, the emergence, not of a, of a Sydney Romero because we've expected her, but she's now leading this team, which I didn't think she was going to do with other names like Shay Knighton mm. and Jocelyn Allo, but she's leading this team now. The person that I, I'm thinking of is Kaylee Clifton and her meteoric rise as a senior right. because I've always thought of her as a defensive player. When you look at this roster – and a lot of the changes, or a lot of the growth, I think is the better term, that has happened with some of these older players, some of the leaders on this team. It's the reason for the success, and it's the reason I believe Oklahoma sweeps the Big 12 once again. They're just too potent of an offense, and with Giselle Juarez pitching at, <laughs> at her current efficiency rate, they. I'm not saying they're unstoppable, but they certainly look at it.
0: Oklahoma State is legitimately the second-best team in the Big 12. Sooners 15-0, Oklahoma State 13-2. The fact that they play two of the three in Stillwater just leads me to believe that there's the chance. Man,
1: this team's played on the road all uh, season long. I get long. it. No,
0: they have. That, that, that's true. But you know Bedlam's different. And,
1: and I think I think the Red River Rivalry is different.
0: Too. Well, it is, but Texas is not where Oklahoma State... Oklahoma State, State swept Texas as well. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's a better team than what they went to Austin. They're going to Stillwater to play a better team than they went to Austin to play. And, and they played Texas Tech on the road. And Texas Tech is really good. So they, they are road tested. They're battle ready. I, I, I don't want to say it's going to happen. I'm just saying I'm not going to be surprised if it does happen. That this, you picked Texas. Wrong answer. Well, you picked Texas to beat them once, and so did I. Yeah, for was, this season. Yeah, you said okay. Texas would take once. So i just.
1: I had the wrong. I'm answer I'm just then. taking
0: Oklahoma State to take one. <laughs> hey, again, let us know your thoughts. We, we'd love to hear you uh, chime in. Either leave a comment uh, at harlandsports.com on our podcast thread or hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We didn't talk about Thunder. Season's over. NBA playoffs are moving on for the third consecutive year without Oklahoma City. We can come back with some more thoughts on that. Maybe something will change between now and next week. But right now, it looks like same old, same old, same coach, same players. So first round exit next year? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Boomer Sooner.